Well, would you turn with me this evening to Mark the 8th chapter. If you've been with us, you know that we've been on a, a series for some weeks now entitled Receiving and Ministering Healing. And we've been having a lot of good testimonies too. We had several testimonies uh, last week right after the Friday night. I don't think we've I don't think we've read any of those yet, but uh, if you have one, let us know about it. How many believe God still heals today? Still works miracles? Still does what men think is impossible? Amen. And uh, the reason that he's not able legally to do it for everybody is because not everybody believes him. And faith is the determining factor for most people's healing. We've seen that in studying these individual cases. We've been going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, looking at each individual case of healing under the ministry of Jesus. Now, when you read all of them, you think it's a lot more because sometimes Matthew, Mark, Luke record the same one, so you'll think it's three, but it's just one. And there's only about 19 individual cases recorded. Now, there's a couple of more people who are delivered and things like that, but uh, we, we're just talking about cases, and I should say there are many that were healed. When it says multitudes were healed, that's a lot of people, but there was no detail about who they were, what was wrong with them, what they said, what Jesus said and did. So we have 19, though, that the Holy Ghost selected for all, every generation and for all time where we're told what the people did, how they came to Jesus, what was wrong with them, what he said to them, how he ministered to them, how they received. And why is this important to us? Has it changed? See, here's the thing. People say, well, you know, we're living in a different day. And, and uh, well, a few things have changed, but the, the main things haven't changed. Right? Main things haven't changed. The devil is still the same devil. Human nature is still the same. Thank God, God's still the same. Amen. Amen. And you can't improve on perfection. The Lord knew how to do it right back then. Right? Right? You know, we, you know, some people, some religions, they get updates to their Bible. (laughs) Do you know that? They do. They, they say, well, you know, this, succeeds this and you take these chapters out now and you put this in and this is no longer applicable and this is up that's when you should run right because that's man that's man but how many know this reads just the same and uh, it's not being changed and we're not to allow it to be changed have you found uh, mark eight did i tell you mark eight yeah Mark 8. We've been studying one by one the individual cases of healing in the ministry of Jesus. And I believe we've looked at 11 of them so far. And if you weren't here for some of them, tapes are available. And the last one we looked at was just one chapter back here in Mark, Mark 7. It was the deaf man with the uh, speech impediment. And he was healed. Amen. Do y'all like these as much as I do? I like thinking about healing. I never get tired of healing. Never. 
Tonight we're going to look at Mark chapter 8, the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida. The healing of the blind man at Bethsaida. And this is only recorded in Mark 8. Some of them are recorded in two or three of the gospel accounts, but this one's only in Mark 8. So let's begin in Mark 8 and chapter 22. And we will read and then we'll come back and begin to expound each verse. Mark 8, 22. Are you ready tonight? Ah, we better pray again. Huh? Somebody say, what? Release faith. Let's release faith. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We say you are welcome here. Manifest yourself. Move among us, on us, through us. Speak through us. Give us utterance exact and precise, full and complete. Give everybody ears to hear and eyes that see. And let faith arise that will lay hold and receive of you healing. And in Jesus' name, we give you thanks in advance for what you'll do ere the service is concluded. Amen. Amen. Everybody say amen. That means so be it. So be it to me. Mark 8, are you ready? Verse 22, you sure you're ready? All right. Maybe we should put seat belts on these. On these seats. Mark 8, 22. And he, Jesus, cometh to Bethsaida. And they bring a blind man to him. And besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand. And led him out of the town. That sounds, all this sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> no, we're not reading the same one. This is, that was back at, in the previous chapter. Different situation. That was a deaf man, you remember. This is a blind man. Two different people. And really two different towns. This is the town of Bethsaida. And that will be important here later on. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit, that sounds familiar. (laughs) He spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw aught or anything. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Well, he wasn't seeing straight, was he? But he sinned. <laughs> Don't miss that. Huh? After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. How many believe that happened just like that? Man was blind, couldn't see a thing. Then the Lord ministered to him and he could see, but not clearly and not correctly. Then the Lord ministered to him again and he could see clearly. How many believe it happened just like this? This is not a fairy tale. This man lived. Amen. We can meet him in heaven one of these days. Right? Get him to tell us firsthand how how it went down. How many believe the Lord is alive today? God is alive. He's the Lord who changes not. Jesus is alive today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
If he did things like this, you know, centuries ago, then he does things like this today or he's changed. Right? If he did it for this man, but he won't do it for somebody else, he's a respecter of persons. You wouldn't have to know any other scriptures than those two truths to know he still heals today and he heals all who will believe. Did you hear these two truths? What? Somebody said, well, he used to heal, but that's all changed. What did they just get through saying? they saying he changed. That's unscriptural. Isn't it? He changed. He's not doing what he used to do. He don't want to do what he used to do. His will has changed. His ways have changed. He doesn't need to change. He's perfect. Perfection doesn't change. Right? No, his will has not changed. He has not changed. I mean, almost every scripture knows Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Then has he changed or has he not changed? If he hasn't changed, what's he doing? Same things that we read about in here. Now, do you know why I camp on things like this? You might say, Brother Keith, I already already know that. (laughs) Not like you can. And the thing is, folk rush past too fast over these kind of things. Think, well, they all know this, so I'll just run to the other thing. No, this is one of the biggest reasons why people are not healed entertaining different subtleties of it might not be God's will for me or not right now or he's working something out in my life and timing and it's just maybe not it's not God's will to heal me that destroys faith so we keep going over the simple basic truths he hasn't changed he healed then he heals now amen You know what else he did then? He provided for people. Didn't he? Multiplied loaves and fishes. Too many loaves and fishes. Broke the nets with a great catch. Too many fish. Didn't he? Go fishing and get gold out of the fish's mouth. Does he still do stuff like that? Today. He has to or he's changed. Now, people get, you know, mental. (laughs) They get in their mind and they explain why they don't have things. They explain why their church doesn't see things. They try to explain and and reasons why we're not seeing healings, we're not seeing miracles, I'm not seeing financial prosperity, and they want to explain it away instead of take the responsibility that they're not believing. People like what I call no-fault religion. No matter what happens or doesn't happen, it's not my fault. God, just in His sovereignty and His great mysteriousness, didn't see fit to do it. And nobody knows why. And you just never know. That means there's, there's no, no responsibility on me. None. Whether ha- anything happens or it doesn't happen, it's not up to me. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. If you've been with us, we've been looking in these individual cases. How many times did the Lord ever look at people and say, well, it's according to God's will? How many? Do you know of one? Not one time. Not one. How many times did he look at people and say, according to your faith? According to how you, as you've believed. Huh? 
over and over and over. So then we ought not be putting the emphasis on God's will. We ought to stay with the Bible, put the emphasis on our faith and get to feeding our faith. So I said, well, that's my problem. I just don't have faith. Well, just sit and be quiet and listen and come back again. Amen. And keep feeding your faith and read your chapter every day like we told you to. Right? And go get you some good books and tapes on healing. Not somebody explaining it away. Somebody that believes in it. Somebody that sees it. Did you hear me? And if you feed your faith, you'll come out of that place. You'll get to the place where it seems easy to you. And you'll expect it and you'll have it. He said he put his hands again on his eyes and he made him look up and he was restored and he saw every man clearly and he sent him away to his house. And he said, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Hmm. Now let's back up to the first verse and let's look at this. It said, they, verse 22, they brought a blind man to him. How many believe he was really blind? Now, not some mistaken uh, diagnosis. He was really blind. You know, people get hung up on the natural side of things and said, yeah, but you know, Brother Keith, I know all that prayer and faith and healing business, that's all fine and good. But you understand they have found this. And the damage is done to the nerves. And, and the organ is dead. It's not working anymore. Well, something was wrong with him for him to be blind. You could have put it under, you could have run tests on him and, and you would have come back with the conclusion that the optic nerve has been severed or, or this has been damaged or that's been damaged. I mean, there would have been a diagnosis. I mean, you what I'm talking about. And they'd say, well, we're sorry, nothing can be done. You're just blind and that's the way it's going to be. But supernaturally, something happened in his head, in his eyes. Huh? Pupil, iris, retina, optic nerve, whatever it was. How many believe God can touch you? Quicker than you even know what's going on. And something be changed physically, materially. Now a lot of people don't believe that. They think, well, that's, I'm a a man of science. (laughs) And if I can't see it, then I, I can't believe it. Well, there's, there's no faith involved in that at all. Seeing is not believing. That's right. Even when you saw it, you wouldn't be believing it. Right. You'd be seeing it. Right. Mr. Willow, if I could see it, I'd believe it. It'd be too late to believe it. Right. Seeing's not believing. Seeing, seeing. Right. You believe it when you don't see it. Right. You don't have any reason to consider it done, but you just by faith. You believe what he said. How many believe in heaven? You believe heaven is real? You believe it's just as real as Branson? Only a lot nicer. You believe that the Lord is there a preparing a place for you and I? You ever been there? You ever seen it? No. But you believe it. That's faith. Right? That's faith. You hadn't seen it, hadn't been there, but you believe it. Somebody said, oh, there ain't no such thing as heaven. Oh, yeah, there is. How do you know it? 
He told me so. He told me. He even went so far as saying this. He said, if it wasn't so, I would have told you. Right? And he didn't tell me it wasn't so. He told me he was going over there ahead of me. Getting my pad ready. My estate. It's going to be nice. Yours too. Right? Woo. Oh, it's there. It's there. It's real. But I hadn't seen it. I believe it. Everybody say, I believe it. Well, now see, you can take that same faith and believe you're healed with it. Hmm, can't you? Yeah, but I don't see healing. You ain't seen heaven either. <laughs> well, I still feel sick. Yeah, and you still feel like you ain't in heaven. <laughs> huh? You can take that same faith. And, and just like you believe in heaven, you believe heaven is real, you can believe you're healed with that same faith. Amen. And if you say, well, I'm just not sure if it's God's will for me to be healed. That's just like saying, I'm, I'm just not sure if it's God's will for me to go to heaven or not. I'm just not sure if, if I do believe in heaven or not. Same thing. Just in a different area. You can take that same faith and believe for your bills to be paid off. I lost a few people on that one. Just like you believe, heaven, somebody else, well, I'm not interested in all that financial stuff. That's not important. Yeah, you just spend most of your waking hours trying to make some. People spend the youth of their life trying to make some. Money's not important. They just spend most of their waking hours trying to get some. No, money is important. It represents your life. It represents what you do with it. It represents your priorities. Oh, yeah, it's a big deal. There's a myriad of scriptures on the subject. What was I talking about before I got into all that? Man was blind. Right? If we'd have sent him to the doctor and run tests on him, they'd have said there was this and that wrong with him. Now, don't, what I'm saying is don't overemphasize the natural. Yeah, but they told me this is so-and-so and that can't be fixed. Said who? They, they're telling you they can't fix it. And I love the medical profession. I thank God for the medical profession. A lot of us wouldn't even be here tonight if it wasn't for the medical profession. But they overstepped their bounds. A lot of them. Did you hear me? They ought not tell people you can't be healed. Hmm? They ought to tell them, I can't fix it. Did you hear me? And they certainly ought not tell people, you have to accept this. They're out of their area. Did you hear me? They're out of their field. They have no expertise in this area. I'm telling you, if they're non-believers. Now, we have doctors who are also strong believers. Amen. And, and work on the natural man and have faith for the spiritual man just the same. Thank God for these. That's what Brother Oral Roberts had in mind when he built the city of faith. He did. We, we were there in town when some of it first opened up and, and began to operate. And we were operating in the healing school over to Raymond Ministry. And uh, it was wonderful. I mean, nurses at the station praying in tongues. 
Doctors and nurses come into your room, sit down and pray, pray with you, pray in the Spirit. Well, that's the ultimate of the natural side of it, right? And, and using the natural and the supernatural. But people need to understand their limitations are not God's limitations. You say, I don't know what to do. Okay, but that doesn't mean nothing can be done. And to say it can't be fixed. Well, it can be fixed. All things are possible to God. And all things are possible to him or her that believes. Can you say amen? Amen. There was something wrong with this man's eyes. Right? Right? Now, there are reasons in the scripture I'll talk about. I believe he must have been able to see previously. For one thing, the end of the text there says his sight was restored. You see that? You can't restore something that hadn't been there. Not only that, if he'd never seen anything, how would he know what a tree looked like? (laughs) And men walking his tree. What does that mean? I mean, these things lead me to believe that the man could see at some point in his life. And something happened and now he's blind. Disease, accident, we don't know. But something caused him to be blind after he could see, I think. And uh, whatever it was could have been diagnosed by today's standards. But, you know, there comes a point in time when you need to quit talking about the diagnosis and quit talking about the natural. And sometimes you nor the physician can even find out what it is. I've seen people search for years and not be able to find out and think they can't be healed unless they know what it is. No, just believe you receive. You don't have to know all the names for it. Just believe you receive your healing. Amen. Amen. I've had this happen more than one time. And I had a, a man some years ago. He argued with me about it. He said, well, I know I've got cancer. I said, how do you know it? He said, I just know it. He, he'd been to like five doctors and spent all kind of money. And uh, every, every test came back clear and clean. He said, yeah, but I know I got it. I said, no, you don't know you got it. You believe you've got it. Hmm? He's got no evidence that he has it. Right? He's believing that he has it. And I warned him. I said, if you don't quit looking for it, you'll find it. Seeking, you'll find. You don't need to be seeking that. You need to be expecting healing. Well, he didn't listen to me. He ignored me. Went right on, do it, and eventually, I think it was a year or two later, but they found some. And he thought, you know, well, look there, I, I showed you, I told you. Not knowing, he's the one opened both doors and invited it in. That's right. But a woman not too long ago, same thing, I told her the same thing. I said, you know, if you don't quit looking for it, this certain thing, I said, you'll find it. She said, well, I'm through looking for it. <laughs> she said, I'm healed. I said, yes, you are. You're healed. She'd already told me how God had heard her prayer and through a, a certain kind of ministry, she was 80% better. I mean, the symptoms had already, and, and, and she's talking about, well, we got to find. I said, no, we don't. No, we don't. We're healed. We believe we're healed. But we're just going to believe that, you know, uh, that, no, believe you've received. Don't wait till you see everything and feel everything. Well, and the symptoms begin to fade away and fall away. She's doing good. Can you say Amen. Let's keep reading here. We, we just got one verse so far. Verse 22, and he came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him, and they besought him to touch him. Now, this lets us know they had faith, right? Several of these 
I guess 10 of these 19 individual cases, it specifically said the people had faith. But a lot more than that, you can see their faith. In this case, somebody said, well, how do you know they had faith? Why would they bring the man to Jesus? Why would they beseech him to touch him? Right? I mean, if you don't think anything's going to happen, it's, it's not easy for a blind man to, to navigate and get around and, and his buddies have got to help him. And, you know, sometimes there were big crowds and people had to push through the crowds and all this kind of stuff. You don't put forth an effort if you're not expecting anything to happen. That's why a lot of people are not in church here tonight. They don't see any use. Why? Hmm? That's why a lot of people don't go to church ever at all. Why? And some people where they grew up going to church, they didn't get much out of it. They were bored. And all that their parents did was watch the clock. Only ten more minutes to go. Help me, Jesus. (laughs) Well, now, something's not right in a situation like that. If you don't enjoy church, I'm talking about you and me. If we don't enjoy church, we're not doing it right. Hmm? If we're enduring church, yeah. ah, I got to go to church. No, you get to go. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I got to read my chapter. Yeah. <laughs> no, you get to read your chapter. Amen. A lot of people died so we could have this book. Do you understand that? Hallelujah. Greatest of which is the master himself. Yes. This is precious to us. Yes. I guess I ought to put in a little prayer. I mean, what I'm talking about, people doing their religious, well, Brother Keith, I'm sorry, but I just hadn't enjoyed it. Because you're not doing it correctly. You're not doing it right. We do church right. I'm talking about you and me, all of us. If we do it right, we're going to get something out of it. We're going to be enriched. We're going to be fed. We're going to grow. Amen. Amen. We're going to come up. Every way, spiritually, physically. Mentally, emotionally, in our marriage, in our kids, in our business, in our finances. Every way we should be coming up. But when you're coming up, you don't get tired of that. Do you? You don't get to a place where, I don't want to come up no more. So I'm not going to church no more. I don't want to come up no more. No, you do want to come up some more. Amen. Stronger you get, better position you are to help other people. Amen. And prayer and reading your Bible, all of it, if we're doing it right, there, there should be, a, there will be growth and, and joy and enjoyment instead of endurance. You'll be enjoying it. It's kind of like marriage. How I many of you are not supposed to be enduring your spouse? <laughs> oh boy, I opened up a can of worms there, didn't I? You're supposed to be enjoying it. Well, I'm not. Well, y'all not doing it right. The the marriage, you're not doing it right. Well, keep reading. Let's keep reading. (laughs) We know they had faith. Somebody said, who had faith? All of them. The guys that brought the blind man and the blind man. He wouldn't have come with them. He wouldn't have let them drag him around. Right? They wouldn't have made the effort. They must have believed that people were being healed in Jesus' ministry like they heard. And they must have believed that that anointing was on him, else why would they want him to touch him? 
See, we have an excerpt from Jesus' message, uh, one of his messages that we have reason to believe he preached numerous places where he went. He'd stand up and read from the book of the prophet Isaiah and say, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Amen. And he'd talk about what the anointing was there to do, to open the eyes of the blind and set the captives free, and et cetera, et cetera. Then he'd say, today, right now, the scripture's coming to pass. Right here in this synagogue, right here out on this field. And that's why the people wanted to touch him. Because he kept telling them about the anointing. And faith comes by hearing. You hear about the anointing, you get faith in the anointing. Amen. And they obviously had heard about people being healed, had heard about Jesus being anointed. Else why would they show up and start hollering, would you please touch our friend? Please. He's blind. Would you touch him? Jesus, we got somebody who wants you to touch him. Would you touch this man for us over here? Please. Won't take long. Would you come touch our friend? Why you want somebody to touch your friend? You say, I don't believe in all that hocus pocus. Laying on the hands. What is that? You know, they think they got some kind of power. Well, then you don't travel to go to a meeting if you believe like that, and you don't want somebody to lay hands on you, and you ain't in any danger of receiving, right? Because <laughs> you don't believe it. Hmm. I, I I had a man meet me out in the parking lot one time in a meeting. I thought he was going to try to beat me up. Because I talked about from uh, Corinthians how Jesus was made poor so that we might be made rich. And I kept talking about being rich. Made him so mad. He said, I don't believe in that. I said, you won't be bothered with it. (laughs) What do you want to mess with me for? (laughs) I believe in it. You don't don't want it? God's not going to push it off on you. You don't want to be saved. You don't want to be filled with the Spirit. You don't want to be healed. You don't want to be prosperous. God's not going to shove it off on you. And we're not either. Amen. Hmm? He looked at me startled like. I said, well, brother, if you don't want to believe it, that's all right. You'll just miss out. It's not a sin to be poor. It's just mighty inconvenient. Why be sick when you could be healed? Why be broke when you could be blessed? Huh? No. But people don't, not everybody agrees with that. Verse 23, they they besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand. Don't you know the blind man is feeling better already? And what's the first thing he did? Led him out of the town. Now we studied this last week, didn't we? Now anytime you see something that keeps coming up, it must be a major point. Right? This is what he did with that deaf man last week that we studied about. Let him out of town. And we'll see it more than this time too. Now look at the word town. Led him out of town. And then skip down to verse 26. He sent him to his house and he told him, don't go into the town. And don't tell it to any in the town. What was the problem? The town. Huh? First thing he did is grab him by the hand and take him out of the town before he tried to minister to him to be healed. Why? 
Now we have, you know, last week we talked about that in depth, that it was because of their unbelief. Even in Jesus' own hometown. Just back a few chapters in the sixth chapter of Mark. You remember that he, he stood up and told them the Spirit of the Lord's on me because he's anointed me. And they said, who is this? This is Joseph and Mary's boy. We know him. Who's he standing up saying he's anointed? And they were offended at him. They didn't believe in him. They didn't receive what he said. They didn't receive the message. And the Bible said in Mark 6, 5 and 6, said he could there do no mighty work. Save he laid his hands upon a few uh, sick folk and healed them. And uh, it implies that it was weak and sickly, not too much wrong with them, just a few. And it says he marveled because of their unbelief. And went round about teaching in their, their villages and their synagogues. Did unbelief hinder Jesus' ministry? If it hindered his ministry then, it would hinder it today. If it would hinder him ministering with the Spirit without measure, it would sure hinder me or any other preacher. Huh? And notice, here we're not just talking about individual unbelief. We're talking about corporate unbelief. And he got them out of the town. How many believe Jesus could have just healed him anyway? Now, this is an important question. Somebody said, well, I, I just believe Jesus can do anything, anytime he wants to. Well, why did he take him out of town? Why did he take the other man out of town? Why did he say he couldn't do any mighty works in his own hometown? Didn't say he decided not to. Said he couldn't. Go back and read it. Mark 6, 5 and 6. Why? Does it mean what it says? Then could he have just done it anyway? You need to get this question answered. If you think, well, yeah, yeah, sure, he's Jesus. He could do anything he wants to. He said differently. He said, I do nothing of myself. Didn't he? He said, I only do what I see and hear my father do. What I hear him say. He's not ministering as God. He's ministering as a man. Anointed with the Holy Ghost. And faith was a determining factor in whether people received or not. And if people didn't receive him and didn't believe what he said, then they didn't receive the benefits of that anointing. And that's the way it is today. I said, that's the way it is today. We know it's that way concerning the message of being born again, don't we? If people don't receive the message of salvation through Jesus, and if they don't act on that, will they be born again anyway? No, they've got to receive the message and they've got to believe. Got to act on that and receive. Well, the same thing is true about healing, about prosperity, about being filled with the Spirit. You have to receive the message, have to believe it, have to act on it. Now, is it true that in order for some people to be helped, you've got to get them out of the environment they're in? Jesus did it repeatedly. Didn't he? Now, if anybody could have got the man healed, no matter where he was at, it would have been Jesus. But Jesus didn't just say, ah, oh, I'm Jesus, I can do it. Just stand still. No need us walking out over there. Just here. Let me, let me do it for you. Mm-mm. He ministered as a man in the earth, showing us how it works. That's what this whole series is called, uh, Receiving and Ministering Healing. First thing he did in order to help the man is he grabbed him by the hand and started out of town. 
must have meant that he had to get him out of that environment to help him. Now this is the word for the night, friends. Is it true? He had to get the man out of that environment to get him helped. You know, we had the privilege of working in healing school at Dr. Kenneth Hagin's ministry for a number of years. And uh, I saw it again and again. People would be in there on Monday to stay with us for a solid week. And it's two sessions a day, two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. And it's just healing, 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 healing in the morning, healing at noontime, healing when the sun goes down. And, uh, you know, they look like they're about dead when they got there. Maybe some of them, the doctor said they should have been dead a week ago. And by Thursday or by Friday, man, they just look like a flower that had been in the sunshine. Just uh, 50% better, 60% better, 80% better. Just a totally different person. And uh, they go home for the weekend and come back on Monday and they look like the same person. You think, what happened to you? And it took me a while to realize they're going out of a faith-charged environment into a doubt-charged environment. They're going out of a, an environment full of life, going into one that's full of death. And, and it can even be loved ones that love you with all their heart, but just are ignorant of the things of God and don't understand faith. Even good Christian people. Love God thoroughly saved, but don't know about healing and don't understand faith. And just look at you and ask you a hundred times a day, how do you feel? You look like you feel bad. You're so pale. You're weak, aren't you? Well, friend, when you're trying to believe God to be healed, you don't need that. Faith comes by. Well, what if you're hearing a hundred times a day? You look pale. You feel bad, don't you? You look like you can't put one foot in front of the other heart. <laughs> Are you hurting again? Your side's hurting again, ain't it? <laughs> if you're hearing that, faith comes by hearing. Right, amen. Huh? And if you start holding that side and go, yeah, it is. It's acting up. I could tell. <laughs> this is how you stay sick. This is how you die. Did you hear me? And if you know what we're talking about, you can get to the place where you realize, I got to get out of here. Hmm? I got to get out of here. In fact, you know, a real sobering thing, Brother Kenneth Hagin said he was in a meeting one time, and the uh, pastor and his wife, he stayed with them in their house all the time he was there, and said... uh, This man was having a few physical problems, but it was nothing real major, you know. The man got up and forgot something at the uh, the service. He started to make an announcement and got it twisted around, got it messed up. And when he got home, his wife lit in on him and said, you know, I don't know what's wrong with you. You just, you're getting old or something. I mean, you can't remember nothing. You just, you're losing your mind. And uh, Brother Hagin said the whole week he was there, she just talked to him like that almost night and day. Well, you sure botched that up. What's wrong with you? You, you can't remember anything. You're just getting where uh, something's wrong with you. And he said uh, the man had 
stepped over to the parsonage to do something and they had just served him lunch and he got up and was helping her dry the dishes and standing there at the kitchen and the Holy Ghost spoke to him. Said, you tell her this. He said, I don't want to tell her that. (laughs) He said, you tell her what I told you. He said, sister, he said, the Lord told me to tell you, if you don't quit talking to your husband like this, you're going to talk him right into the grave. You're going to talk him into an early grave. It made her mad. And people don't realize the power of words. See, if he gets to believing, something's wrong with me. What is wrong with me? Brother Hagin said he had messed up just as bad on some of the announcements and stuff. I mean, just because you got tongue-tied or got something mixed up, you're not supposed to go, well, I guess I'm just getting old and can't. Can't remember anything in my, that's how you lose your memory. You understand there are people a hundred plus got a memory just as sharp as a tack. And other folk that's forty five can't remember anything. It must not be just age. I said it must not be just age. And people don't realize how serious it is, especially around somebody that you're around night and day, that they listen to you. And sometimes even when people act like they're not paying attention to you, still, if you hear it night and day, it can get in. Something's wrong with you. Boy, your memory's going. Something's bad. Something bad's wrong with you. You don't look right. You, you How you feel? Your side's hurting again, ain't it? You know, ain't no telling what that is. You know, Uncle Benny, his side started hurting. Three days later, he was dead. Now, this is the way the enemy works. You understand? And if you get to sitting around going, my Lord, that is what happened to him. Whew, it does hurt too. And you get to focusing on that, you're developing faith in the problem. You develop faith in sickness, faith in dying prematurely. Instead of, you're supposed to resist. Let's say you have an awful symptom. You have a terrible pain. You have a terrible problem. That's the moment when you're supposed to stand up and go, "Uh uh-uh, no, I'm not dying with this. No, sir, I will not die. I will live and declare the work of God. If you forget something, be a perfect opportunity. Thoughts come to your mind. Ah, you're slipping. Yep, you're getting old. You ought to just take that opportunity to say, I have the mind of Christ. He makes me of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. I used to tell my students every morning, I'd have them stand up and we'd say, I'm quick. I'm sharp. I'm good looking. Very rich. And a major blessing. Amen. Help your kids to say that. Let me say it again for you. I'm quick. I'm sharp. I'm bright. I'm good looking. I'm very rich. And a major blessing. That's me. That's you. Is that right? Amen. Don't talk this old stuff. Can't remember. Symptoms and problems. Jesus had to get people out, sometimes out of the town. 
they were in in order to get them helped and get them healed. Why? Because there was so much doubt and unbelief in that area. Now go with me to uh, Luke, the uh, 11th chapter, I believe it is. No, what did I do? I wrote over the wrong number and messed it up. I am quick. You got that right. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That is exactly right. Yeah. Luke 10. That's also in Matthew 11. You ready? We're going to Luke though. Luke 10. Are you there? Now remember what town he got him out of. It was what town? Bethsaida. And uh, you, if you do a little reading, you can find exactly where it was. It was kind of on the north uh, east side of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, read in this passage what another thing that was said about this city and another one. He said in verse 9, Luke 10, 9, he said, heal the sick that are there. And he's telling his disciples that he's sending out what to do. And he said, say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But into whatever city you enter and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same and say, even the very dust of your city which cleaves on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now let's just stop right there. Do you know that Jesus never accepted any challenges to prove His message. They threw down challenges to him. They said, you know, we've heard about these things you did in these other places. Do them here. Remember they said more than once, give us a sign. Show us a sign. What are they saying? Prove it to us. Demonstrate. Did he ever do it? Mm -mm. He said no sign will be given to this evil and wicked generation. Right? Why? They're, They're telling him, we don't believe it. Make us believe. Prove it to us. Mm -mm. That's not how it works. Believe and receive. Doubt and do without. Right? Right? That's how it works. Even when the most important thing, the new birth, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized will be saved. He that believeth not will be damned. Right? How's it work? Believe and receive. Go to heaven. Reject and doubt, go to hell. That's the way it works. If it's that way with the most important things, it'd be that way with lesser things. Now keep reading though. Well, no, no, first of all, do you understand what he said? He said, you go to a place and you preach and you, you're ready to minister to people. And if they say, ah, oh, we don't believe that, we don't accept that. He said, you go out to the city limits and you say, all right, look here, look here. We told you. Your blood's on your own head. Hmm? I don't think people have understood, because we've got a lot of preachers that are beggars and Christians that are beggars. Phyllis was working for an insurance company, or working with some insurance companies one time. And this guy called her, and he was a character. 
And she was having to wait on the phone with him while some things were being checked and done. And he actually, I guess, kind of starts flirting with her on the phone. Is that right? And uh, I guess she was kind of quiet on some of it. And he finally begins to tell her about this girl he had been dating that was crazy. Said she went to church all the time. <laughs> and said, uh, said she went to that church where they, they believe in miracles and talk in tongues. Phyllis got even quieter. Finally, he said, you go to church? She said, yeah. She said, you're not like them, are you? She said, yeah. <laughs> then he went into this deal about how all his family had been praying for him. And about how, I guess, his family had prayed and this girl had prayed for him and prayed for him. He said, but none of it does any good. He said, in fact, he said, you know, I think I may be the Antichrist. <laughs> and then what he said, I think I may be the Antichrist. He said, but you going to pray for me? She said, no. <laughs> I told the lady, she ought to say, what? She ought to told him, what good would it do to pray for the Antichrist? She said, no, I ain't praying for you. She said, if you're stupid enough to go to hell, I guess you'll have to go. You know, it takes different bait to catch different fish. And see, his family and his friends had been pleading with him, pleading with him and begging. He'd mock their prayers, make fun. He don't understand what's going on here. You know, you hear ignorant people talk about, ah, I'm going to hell. All my friends are there. I ain't afraid of hell. You ain't got a clue what they're talking about. It ain't funny. I mean, it's not something to play with. And yet millions are playing with it like it's not a big deal. He said, oh, and he, she said he changed his tune. He said, oh, come on now, you're going to pray for him? She said, no, I ain't wasting my time praying for you. She said, you've already made up your mind, hadn't you? said, you might be the Antichrist. He said, well. He said, no, you're going. And then he tried, then he's asking her, well, now you're going to pray for me, right? She said, no, I ain't praying. I told you, no. <laughs> now, now get this. They went in there and they preached. And the people said, we don't believe that. We don't want nothing to do with that. And so they all knelt down and said, please, please, please believe. Please receive. No. They went out to the edge of town. And so we want you to know we have done our job. And I don't even want any of this unbelieving dust. This place is full of unbelief. I don't want this unbelieving dust on my shoes. Your blood's on your own head. And leave. Go to the next place. Is that what he told them to do? Keep reading. He went on to say. He said, but you tell them, be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come near to you. You had your chance. Don't you remember Jesus looking over Jerusalem and weeping. And said, if you'd only known the hour of your visitation. What was going on? Who is here? What message is being taught and preached for you to believe and receive? But you didn't know. Now you're going to be destroyed. This is happening all through the earth. Isn't it? 
how we are to honor the message. How we are to love the word. How we are to receive it with open arms. Amen. Amen. And what benefits we'll receive. But he went on to say, he mentioned this very city. He said, I say to you, it'll be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Isn't that the town he led the man out of? Woe to you, for if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Zidon, which had been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. He said, if the meetings that we've had in in your town had been had over there in Tyre and Zidon, they'd have already repented. And look at you, rebellious. See, some receive and some don't. And the ones that receive are the ones that have the miracles. And the ones that don't are the ones that miss out. Some receive the message concerning being filled with the Holy Spirit. Huh? They get full of power. They talk in tongues. They know about the gifts of the Spirit. Others don't receive that message. They're saved. They love God. But they don't receive that. So they don't experience this dimension. Some receive the message of healing. Huh? Are healed all their life. Live long. Finish their course for Jesus. Amen. Die aged and satisfied. Others don't receive that part. And so they don't enjoy the benefit. Some receive the message of prosperity. Some don't. How many receivers do I have in here tonight? People that say, hey, hey, I'll receive it. I want all the good news. Huh? I'll believe it. I'll receive it. Amen. How many willing to endure some persecution for it? If people think you're foolish or ignorant or or whatever or messed up or fanatic or whatever. It goes with it. Of course, you, you know, somebody might have seen you come in this church already, so they may think you're one of us. Already. You might as well enjoy all the benefits. You might as well just come on and get in. Amen. Enjoy all of it too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, go back to, to Mark. Let's, let's finish this thing up. Mark 8. Took the man out of town. Often people must be led out of a place. Out of an environment, out of a situation, out of a church. Did you hear me? There's a lot of good churches around. A lot of good churches in Branson. A lot of good churches in Springfield. and Harrison. A lot of good works. But if you're endeavoring to stand and believe for healing, and every time you go in there, they tell you it's not for you, and it's passed away, that's hurting you. Did you hear me? And you can die like that when you don't have to. I I was reminded of a sad situation. Uh, Brother Hagin said uh, years ago, a man came out of a well-known denomination where they didn't preach healing, came to his meeting and was healed, came out of a wheelchair. And, And it went all over the little community because everybody knew 
I mean, they built ramps on certain places just for him. And somebody saw him walk down the sidewalk and about fell out. They thought, you're walking? He said, I know. They said, what happened to you? He told them, I went down there to that meeting and, and that fellow prayed for me. And he said, my legs are working. I, I can walk. And they said, well, we see that. And I mean, for about a week, they, his family was so ecstatic. He was so ecstatic. And his pastor came over. Wanted to talk to him. And he said, uh, now you went down to them holy rollers. He said, well, whatever they are. He said, uh, and you, you believe you've been healed. He said, well, I couldn't walk. <laughs> now I can. He said, you know. And uh, his pastor that he'd known for years, he said, well, he said, there ain't no doubt something's happened to you here. He said, but uh, he said, you know, I'd rather be sick all my life than to be healed by the devil. That's what he told that man. He said, you know, the devil can do some stuff. Lying signs. Lying wonders. Well, this man didn't know the word. He got to thinking about that. And in a matter of a week and a half or so, lost his healing. Was back in the chair. Stayed that way. And some folk would say, well... He, he never was healed. I, you know, because anytime the Lord does something, it's forever. Says who? Well, anytime the Lord does something, it, it's perfect and complete. We're about to read a variation of that. Hmm? No. You can lose what you've received. Why else did the scripture say, lay fast hold? Hold fast what you have. Huh? Hebrews. Revelation. Resist the devil. Hold fast to your confession. Why why talk like that if you couldn't lose it? Well, you know, that man's going to have to answer before the Lord for talking this man out of a miracle. And yet it's happened. I've seen people get stirred up and happy about prosperity. And some unbelieving preachers. Get to tell him, well, no, no, that's love of money is a root of all evil. And, you know, covetousness is idolatry. And, you know, God, I think God'd just be happier if you didn't have anything like that. And God knows you couldn't handle it. And if you reject the message, you'll lose out. Did you hear me? No matter what it is in any area. Have to rightly divide the word of God. How many know you can have a bunch of stuff and not love it? Love God more and be ready to do whatever he says to do with it. Huh? How many know you could have a ton of money and a bunch of stuff and just love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? How many believe you could pray in the spirit just as good in a new Mercedes as you could in a wore out Maverick or Pinto? Probably better. It's quieter. Got climate control. Cruise control? Huh? You don't have to cuss in a new car. If somebody walked up and gave $10 billion to Keith, 
You know where, I, where Keith would be Sunday morning? Right here. I wouldn't be down in the Bahamas uh, backslid and drunk. Huh? It's not going to change me. Did you hear me? Now, if it would change you, well, then, yeah, I guess you'd be better off without it. But I'd hope you'd grow up. Right? Get to where you could handle some stuff and deal with some things. How do we get into that? (laughs) Keep reading. He took him by the hand. He led him out of town. Got him out of that unbelief. And when he'd spit on his eyes, he put his hands on him. That's unusual, isn't it? I don't know that he had any scriptural precedent out of the Old Testament for doing that. But how many know he was right in doing it? How'd he know to do it? Led by the Holy Spirit. Do we have the Holy Spirit today? And you know, you got to understand this. He may lead you to do something in a certain way and not lead you to do that again for 10 years that way. But people, they want to make traditions out of things. You know, some people, if, if they'd have been involved with that man, you know, Naaman went and dipped in the river and got healed. Well, next week they'd have a river dipping healing association. And if they'd have seen this, well, then by the end of the month, they'd have had a, a spit healing ministry. Well, Jesus didn't spit on everybody. We, we have reason to believe he didn't, most people he didn't spit on. But at least three, he did. But three out of how many? Sometimes it says multitudes were healed. Three out of thousands or scores of thousands or more. You know, I was at a church one time. I keep trying to wind up, but I keep having these stories. Are you all okay? Yeah. Huh? Every week I try to figure out, well, I can cut this off a little bit. And I cut this back and shorten it up. And I'm still here at the same time. (laughs) But uh, if you're not through, you're not through. What was I talking about? Huh? I was at a church years ago. And... uh, I'd been to the church before, and every time I was there, I mean, every time at a certain time uh, in the service, this guy, he must have been about 80-something, he'd jump out and start running. And he'd run around the uh, the whole uh, auditorium, and then he'd come back and look at me, and he'd run around again. I don't mean once in a while. I mean every service, every time. Certain song, you know, certain kind of tempo would start. Well, here he'd go. Somebody said, what was wrong with that? Well, it's just in the flesh. Somebody said, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I'd rather him be like that than to be so stiff he wouldn't yield to the Holy Ghost. Huh? But we need to learn the difference. I'll tell you what happened. One time, back in 63, or whenever... The spirit was falling. (laughs) God moved on him and he ran and it was in the Holy Ghost and the whole place got blessed. Amen. 
And now he's been running in the flesh ever since. Did you hear me? Now, whether it's the preacher or, or, or whoever it is, we, we've got to watch about that. Jesus didn't spit on everybody. When did he know when to spit and when not? Everybody say Holy Spirit. We must learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. There are times he will he'll direct us to do a thing. He might not direct us to do it that way again ever. Or he might not direct us to do that until five years or, or ten years from now. And, and let's believe God. i am already got some things stirring in my heart. I believe the Lord's going to help us. And we're just going to get into it after a while. And we're going to camp on being led by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We've already been praying about the move of the Spirit and these things. And, and we don't want a bunch of flesh, but we don't want nothing dead and dry either, right? We, we want exactly what pleases God. And if we'll stay after it and not quit, we can have it. Amen? Amen. But anyway, he took him out, spit on his eyes, put his hands on him, and asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now, like I said, some people say, well, now I just believe if God does something, it's perfect. And they're talking about if somebody was partially healed. Well, that can't be God, because if God would do it, it'd just be perfect. Well, what about this? Jesus himself laid hands on the man, and he is not completely healed. Right? How many would understand the imperfection is not in the Lord? Then what would it be? It'd be imperfect or incomplete or partial reception. Partial receiving. Can people receive a part of something and quit receiving? Yeah. So he laid hands on him. He spit on him and laid hands on him and said, uh, what do you see? He said, I see men, but they look like trees walking around. So he's got distorted vision. So what did the Lord say? Well, that's better than what you had. Be satisfied. Huh? What? Well, you just never know how these things are going to turn out. Some get a lot, some get a little. Let's just be thankful. Now, what did he say? Hmm? He said, come back here. Right? Come back here. Laid hands on him again. Why? Because Jesus didn't get it right the first time? No. No. Because it wasn't God's will to heal him all at once? No. God's power able to heal him all at once? Yeah. Then why this partial thing? Because it's not just all up to God's will. It's not just all up to God's power. We've read it again and again. According to your faith... Be it unto you. So apparently this man received some and he could see a little. But he says, come on back here. Come on back here. Get the rest of it now. Laid hands on him again, didn't he? It says again. He put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. Actually, the Greek there says, look through. Penetrating vision. Look through it. In other words, he, he laid his hands on him and said, 
Now open your eyes and look through it. Whatever distortion or they had. And he opened his eyes and looked and he said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a clearing up now. Ah, that's good and sharp right there. Oh, man, I can see the leaves on the back of that tree. And I can see that guy's nose and his beard. Woo, I see that little cat over there. Saw everything clearly, the Bible said. Don't you know he's happy? And then what did he tell him after that? Guy's probably jumping up and down. He's so, glory to God, he can see, I can see, I can see better than I could ever see. See everything clearly. He said, okay, good, good, good. He said, listen to me. Don't go back in that town. Don't even tell this to anybody in that town. Wow. Don't go back into town. See, you don't want to go back into a bunch of unbelief after you've received a miracle. Just like that man we got through. People try to talk you out of it. Try to tell you, oh no, it's just, you know, it it was in remission a little while, but we don't know that you're really healed and and, and who knows? These things come back and, and, and you just never know. You don't need to hear that. You need to go off and, and go to shouting. Go around people that will agree with you. Amen. And say, man, I've been healed. And they go, yeah, we can see. Let's all shout. That's what we do every service when we get these testimonies out, don't we? And we say, hey, God did this. We don't say, well, did he really do it? We don't know. No, he did it. Give him the credit. Give him the glory. Can you say amen? How many believers do I have in this place? We don't have to take people off to the side to get them healed in here, do we? We don't have to take them outside. How many believe Branson itself can be a faith town? Huh? There's a lot of Christians in this town, aren't there? A lot of believers already. How many believe faith can just get stronger and stronger where people could come to Branson to get healed? Amen. Because there's people all over the town that believe in, in God, believe in healing and have strong faith. How many believe there could just be, you know, like at nighttime, you can see a glow of the lights of a town. How many believe there can be a glow of faith in a place? There can be this stigma of unbelief. There can be something that shuts down the power of God that hinders people from being healed. Jesus saw it repeatedly and got people out of it. Well, friend, we can have the other side of that. A church where people can be healed when they pull on the parking lot. Huh? A church where people can be healed just sitting in the seats. People can be set free. Not even realize they leave this place and it be days later to realize I've been delivered from a habit. Hadn't even wanted that. For these days, got set free. Got set free. This is not just a Keith and Phyllis thing now. All of us, right? All of us have a corporate faith. Oh, I get excited when I get to thinking about this. Because this is where you get into some real heavy things, some, some signs and wonders even. When you get a strong enough corporate faith, some outstanding things happen. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet. Everybody lift up your hand and say, I'm a believer. I receive the message. I'm a faith person. I have faith in God. I have faith in the power of God. 
I have faith in healing. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise you, Lord. Just begin to thank Him. Begin to praise Him. Begin to magnify His holy name. Tell Him you believe Him. Tell Him you believe in healing. You believe in miracles for today. Oh, Lord, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You are good. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.